for the next five weeks. We will have a love story play out before us in the book of Isaiah. A love story? Oh, yes. And she, oh, she is beautiful. Well, at least in his eyes. And their love in the beginning was everything that you could ever dream or wonder or wish for. But things change. There's always more to a story, especially when it comes to a love story. And in this love story, we will find that she has a past. She has made very many unfortunate and regrettable choices. She has so strained the relationship that currently and presently, he has withdrawn from her for a time. And in that separation, she has had time to consider what has been lost, to consider the one whom she has hurt. And there, in her tears, she waits. Will he come? Will he take her back? A man of lesser character would have just cut his losses and been done with her, leaving her to her own devices, his pride being so wounded by her infidelities, for that has been her crime. But not this man, no. She has been unfaithful repeatedly. He has remained faithful, loyal. Will he come for her? Yes. Oh, yes. And to help see the arc of the narrative before us, I have put together a very short video, and each one of these vignettes will be a week that will tell the story that we're going. But for now, see the whole story at once. I wish you were here. I miss you. My heart longs for you. I wish that I was there too. It won't be long and then I will come. I'm on my way. I'm coming soon. Now that we are together, you will be called by a new name, my name, for I am with you and will never leave you. So each week, the venues that you've seen, the, the vignettes you've seen will play out before us. Today, today is that longing in the separation. I wish that you were here now. 
Or as Isaiah would write in his love story, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. You wonder, why is there this separation? This is a love story between God and us, his people. Why is he, for a time, not here? Why has he left us so alone? These questions, in a weaker, more foolish moment, could be asked. For we have such short-term memory, and we do deny our lesser qualities. And in those moments, we might even think to ourselves that somehow this separation is God's fault, that, that He is to blame. For this is a, a true love story. This isn't a hallmark made for TV. This isn't a Disney story. This is, this is God who so loved the world, who so loved you, love story. So why isn't He here now? I know we so quickly forget that it is our hearts that have loved another. Our hearts have chosen to delight in so many other things. We have made other things our priorities, our securities, our, our thing that we must have. And you might think, well, we're just living our lives yeah, we live our lives in these compartments where God's over here, but what I really love is here, and this is where I spend my time. If you think about what truly has your heart, think about what you obsess over. Think about where you spend most of your money. And if you had your choice right now where you would be and what you would be doing, there is your love. Oh, we want the good things of the relationship without the faithfulness that such covenant love demands with God. We just want the riches. We don't want the rich man in our lives telling us what to do. We want the control and the autonomy to be our own person to decide. Isaiah would remind his first hearers why there is this separation as he wrote, we all have become like one who is, un, who is unclean. That may not be very descriptive for us, but it made a lot of uh, sense to those who living in a system of sacrifice and, and covenant uh, with God where you couldn't go to the, His presence being unclean. But I think this very graphic illustration, and I know it's kind of graphic, will help you understand to be unclean, how our sins have made us repulsive to our beloved. You know, when you get sick and you, you got the running nose, right? And then it gets worse and you've got the throw-ups and everything else. And who wants to hug you at that point? <laughs> what family member is going to come in? You know, yeah, it's just stay away. You get it. Our sins make us unclean. Yeah, but we do good stuff, Right? You know, we try and make up for the bad that we do. And, and Isaiah wrote, even our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. You know, nobody walks out of the house with, you've got feces on your, your clothes, right? He's like, ah, no. You go, oh, we need to fix this. See, that, 
That's the kind of repulsion that God has to even our good deeds. And you might wonder, well, wait a minute. Doesn't God want us to be good? Oh, of course. But that's not how love works. Imagine if you were kind of on the outs with your spouse and you thought, well, you just do a bunch of nice things. You know, yeah, that's helpful. But if your heart, if your heart is not there for her, if, if you're not giving your time, your interest, if you're not participating heart to heart, it doesn't matter how many good things you do to make up for the bad. And that's how Isaiah would end. He would say, well, there's no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. This is an issue of the heart of the beloved and the lover. And we are at fault. Isaiah would write to a people whom God described as his treasured possession, but now they are out of his house. They are living in the divorce of exile. And they have no one to blame but themselves. And lest we forget, we have no one to blame but ourselves. But this separation was never meant to be permanent. This pause was meant to give pause so that we might consider what we have done, what we have lost, whom we have hurt, the choices that we have made. And we are never truly alone. But the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is with us. And there the Spirit would give us even now ears to hear God's Word. And there kindle within our hearts true repentance. True sorrow over our break of love. True tears. And a whispered prayer, Lord, I wish you were here now. Isaiah would even put a prayer on our lips. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord. And remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. You can hear the desperation in that separation. For all that you and I can do now is to wait it's up to God if He will come for us or not. And we are reminded that a person of lesser character would have just let us be and let us go. Pride being so wounded by our infidelity, our heart having another in its treasured spot. But, but this one, Jesus, He, though rejected by us, Though we have made fun of him, spit on him, slapped him, crowned him with thorns and placed him on a cross, he has remained ever faithful to us. Will he come for us? The answer is yes, Mr. Darcy, a thousand times yes for you. But how can we be so sure? Well, we are separated now. We don't live face to face with God. We don't hear His sweet voice in our ears audibly. But He has given us a sure and certain hope, something that we can know in our hearts as we wait, and it is His resurrection from the dead. You see, our beloved 
has answered for all of our infidelities. Our choosing of ourselves, our delighting in other things, our, our wanting just the good things of God without God being God in our lives. He has answered for it. And there, having paid complete and utter price for all of our debts, He has risen from the dead. And that is the proof. And, and here's why. Well, any criminal who's been sentenced to prison, say for two years, once that two-year sentence has met its two-year end mark, they are released from prison, right? And it's, that release is the proof they have pet, paid their debt to society. So it is our debt. Death has released Jesus, and He has risen. And it's the proof that all of our sins have been answered for. And now we, we will be come for. We are the beloved of Jesus. A day will come when we are with Him face to face. And until that day when He comes for us, we live in hope. And hope is the first candle of the Advent wreath. And our hope is as sure and certain as the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And this hope is a living, active thing in our life. It's not a passive thing like, well, I hope so. No, hope comes. And as it comes, it has work to do in those very utter despair moments of our life. When we're just not sure that He's coming for us, that God is there for us. I think of those moments when we're grieving for our loved ones, especially our very dear, close loved ones. It has brought me such comfort to know that my dad, who passed away in March, is with Jesus face to face. That all that perplexed him in his life, the sorrows, the fears, the anxieties, the pain and the suffering, it's all gone. He is with Jesus. See how that hope it works into our hearts. We grieve like everyone else in the world, but not like everyone else in the world. This hope comes into your heart, into those very places for those who have died in the faith in your life. You have hope that cannot be taken away, and it's not just in the grief, but it's in your valleys. It's in your forsaken moments. It's in your life right now. The beloved, Jesus, is coming for us. It is as sure and certain as the resurrection. Let that hope go deep in your soul. Amen.